Hello and welcome back to another episode of Beers with Buds. I'm your host, the Cannabis Sommelier, Andrew Friedman. I have my really good bud joining me today, Thomas Dalgren. Thomas is the owner of my favorite wine bar in Calgary, Alberta. I'm super excited to chat with him. Um, hi, Thomas. How are you? Doing very well, man. We've been hanging out. We've had a few glasses of wine already, so it'll be a, a pretty natural conversation, I think. It'll be great. That's great. Um, I think the best thing to do is just uh, you know, tell, tell people about you. Introduce yourself like you would uh, for an interview. Thank you for, uh, for for having me on the show, man. Oh, it's a pleasure. Yeah, I, uh, I I I I got into wine uh, right about ten years ago, uh, getting really really lucky, uh, getting kind of a, a part time retail gig, and uh, just really fell in love with it. I I, I loved uh, different flavors and different aromas, and it's always a uh, really kind of curious in the kitchen uh, growing up, and and just stuck with it, and you know eventually I kind of turned it into the the bar and uh, the project that it is now. Tell me, tell me a little bit more about the the bar and the project. Cause you undersell it so hard, like it's it's so it's so cool. Like how could you just be like it's a bar and a project? Uh, I'll hype you up a little bit. Thomas has, like I said, my favorite wine bar in Calgary, but it was the number three best new restaurant for On Route Magazine in Canada. Really hip. How many seats do you have? Twenty eight, thirty two, twenty two. Sorry, seats? Our, our total capacity is twenty eight. So yeah. the the total number of guests is usually a, a, a couple less. You know, awesome. So yeah, twenty eight. Pretty seat. well as many as we can pack in there. Wine bar that is one of the coolest places to be in Canada. So uh, Thomas yeah. is really a curator of taste, uh, curator of wine culture in Calgary, and I'm really excited to chat with him about cannabis so tell me more about bar vanderfels tell me more about like how that whole started the name's great everything about it's great just uh just spiel yeah so we were uh it's it's myself and a really good buddy will tro uh who actually moved out here from montreal to come work on the project and we were really kind of dissatisfied with what was available uh to consumers as far as uh you know wine outside of the retail environment um there are a lot of restaurants that had bars but were more so restaurants than wine bars um even if they had great wine lists they were usually you know marked up with the intention of holding on to the wine for a really really long time and it's just a it's kind of a tough scene if you wanted to go out for a glass of wine in calgary um since then a couple of others have, have opened up and, have, and i think have opened up the the scene a little bit to a bit more action but um we're really just trying to do something a little bit more progressive for for what you know for calgary well it's it, it's it's an amazing wine market there, there's no reason you shouldn't be able to go out on a on a friday night or a monday night or whatever night of the week it is and, and just get a good glass of wine well i love that you have uh that you open the bottles of wine and you let them chill in the big old kind of like farm looking uh bath basins and that they're not on a machine because you know what, to me, when I see that, it's like you, you're guaranteeing freshness. When I see wine in one of the Enomatic machines, sometimes it really doesn't convince me that uh, anybody's working very hard to, yeah, to curate that I'm, wine I'm, correctly. I'm really not convinced of uh, the Enomatic or the Coravan <laughs> or any of those like preservation systems. You don't like the Coravan? No. I, I, there, there's one that I actually really <clears throat> like called the, the Repor. Okay. Um, and I, I, I think it's it, it has pros and cons. One... The, the biggest con for me is that it's made out of plastic and it's not super recyclable. It's, I, I think, 
Okay. You know, kind of kind of medium minus recyclable at best, but the, the functionality of it is, is really, really good. I love how you went with medium minus. That's a shout out to all the wine nerds <laughs> out there. That's pretty good. Show, sh- showing through a little bit. Sarah was like, how many chocolate chips do you want in your chocolate chip cookies? I said medium plus. Like, <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, you'll get it if you've done a W. Every, everything has a, a hierarchy and, and, and a value <laughs> and whether or not you're willing to acknowledge it, the, the, the hierarchy and the value is there. I but totally but, but some people are, are more um, more willing to pin it down at like that the 65% or the 35% versus the, the, the 0, 50, or 100. No, yeah. cheers to that. Yeah, yeah cheers, dude. Um, why don't you you brought the wine today we got some beer later because it's beers with buds but why don't you tell everybody about the wine we're drinking yeah so this is from a producer called Georges Descombe who's a, a, a really wicked um, I, I think using the term natural is is a, a little bit complicated is this but we, natty but we, wine but we could, I, I think we can touch on that like a, a, a little bit more in a you know a little bit um, I, I, I would say that this is maybe even medium within the camp of natural wine. Okay. Um, but I think tons of merit, you know, and, and, and I think a, a really good sense of place. Um, so it's a hundred percent Gamay, which comes from the, the crew or the village of uh, Morgon, which is within Beaujolais. Um, and this is something that I'm, I'm, I'm not totally convinced of pairing red wine with, with cannabis. Um, but because of the, the kind of spiciness and the kind of blood orange qualities of this wine and also the juiciness and kind of the lighter structure, um, I feel like it'll do really well with, uh, with some of the, uh, I'm going to try, I'm gonna try it right now. Actually, yeah. uh, I have some space dog extracted by some great people. We're not going to mention them right now because of how legalization is rolled out but i have this amazing space dog and it has such a deep complexity there's like red berries stone fruit a little bit of gassiness but i feel like the the, the peachiness and kind of this almost bubblegum-esque character comes through and i think it's gonna go really well with the gamay because i can you know i uh, i feel like there's a little bit of carbonic going on in here there's definitely some fruitiness and i think almost um like i think blood orange and almost kind of like a like a grapefruit peel or kind of like a citrus rind quality in the aromatics on this i think kind of unusual for the grape but i should totally be amazing with the uh and it's a 2014 so it's 2019 now that's pretty cool to see a gamay hang but this is a crew beaujolais yeah yeah this is i i think i think uh crew beaujolais is is a little bit of a i I think variable in in some ways i think there there are producers that lean toward a really carbonic style that's supposed to be really kind of juicy and really youthful i love those um you see a little bit of that in this but this is a this is one that i'd say is maybe a little bit more kind of burgundian kind of a little bit more structured and yeah yeah i think a, a really really classic vintage and um winemaking i i think it should last a really long time well it's just cool to see you know wine like this la- lasting five years in and I, it's oh, always yeah. interesting when i taste this and i blind taste uh crew Beaujolais, um and it always trips me up thinking it's pinot just the way that those tannins are built and even this one it's just got such a nice tannin and you get tricked mm-hmm. very quickly because people are making those big juicy styles and you get very used to being caught up in that strawberry bubblegum delicious juice world when a wine like this has a little bit more structure much more burgundian much more like a high quality pinot than uh than than a than a gamay i love i love wines like this it's so cool i love having all these different people on when i get to talk about like hardcore wine stuff because they'll give the different listeners such a such an interesting perspective of all this like scientific wine nerd shit like how many i feel like wine's so pretentious but it can be so chill like we're hanging out we're having dabs 
I got I got my camo Xana robes on. Like wine doesn't need to be pretentious. Thomas is an awesome dude. Tell him about your painting because I love hearing about your painting. And like you, you just like to paint. Like you, you're you're a cool artsy dude. It's kind of what inspires you in wine. Like just talk about yourself more. Brag. I love it when people brag about themselves. Shit, dude. Um, honestly, I I love I love working with my hands. I, I get I get so much satisfaction out of just doing physical things, physical labor with my hands. I don't know. I, I think it's something that came out of the uh, out of working in the studio when I was in an uh, art school a couple years back. Um, find it so incredibly satisfying. Um, but yeah, honestly, just just had a couple of little like make work projects at the bar that I uh, that I that I had to crush out, but I love it. Um, Sorry, I'm having to having to dab, but I'm still listening. Yeah, up no, no sweat, man. Um, though, with that being said, I actually got a I got a pretty rad gift from uh, from Will for Christmas. What'd you get? Table saw. Oh, that's uh, cool. He's so manly. Yeah. No, dude, I love it. It's a total game changer. What what have you cut with your table saw so far? Uh, tables, tables, <laughs> T- tables mostly. Um, I'm actually working on uh, doing a desk for my girlfriend. Oh, we yeah. won't we won't air this until it's finished. Does she know? No, no, she she knows about it. Extremely that, uh, manly. It is at request. Woodworking. Yeah, I You're, love it, man. What a handsome manly skill. That's very it. gentlemanly. You you hold these two things in your hands. And you see something happen with it in front of your face. And I don't know. I think uh, more and more we move away from like physical buttons into the, the realm of touch screens and you know, automated processes and things like that. I, I find it so, so deeply satisfying. People don't care about craftsmanship anymore. Like, no. You know, it's, ha- it's so weird when I go in somewhere and I start feeling and looking for the quality of a build or like a material i feel like a crazy old man i'm just living up to my stereotypes oh, but man. no but i, I think you, you have you have to be skeptical of that stuff and you, you have to really look at it china 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 that was my donald trump uh, <laughs> but yeah no it you do have to be skeptical and i really like spending my money locally if i can would you ever well no that's ridiculous maybe you get stoked on woodworking i hope you make something cool what would you make for yourself? Cause you can't just make stuff for other people. You gotta be selfish sometimes. Oh yeah, make a little uh, little cabinets and furniture. You know, a few little bits and pieces around the house. A dining c- table, I think. I'd commission a side table. Yeah. Matching set. He got the table saw. I'll bring the stain. Man, honestly, I uh, I started working with stone a little bit. Wow. Um, so we, we we have those new tables, uh, kind of like bar tops in at uh at Vonderfels. And honestly, even just doing the edge finishing and like like little bit of work with a chisel, so satisfying. That's cool. Yeah, that's super. Yeah, that's super cool. I'm not enough. It's you don't get enough. That's true instant gratification, right? Like when you chip something and it goes well or bad, and you can figure out how to recover from it, or it's exactly what you wanted. That's instant gratification. So. Yeah, that that is something that's very mystifying to me. How people are able to to carve stone effectively. I watched this thing. I love this artist, Zhukovsky. Zhukovsky. He's like a Polish guy who does surrealism uh, carvings. Zhukovsky. Dude was so cool. And then I watched his documentary and found out he wrote like this really hardcore anti-Semitic stuff. And I was like, oh. Can't have that. I was like, oh. I was really happy I didn't get any Zhukovsky tattoos. <laughs> Secret anti-Semitic stuff is, 
Yeah, it's fucked up, man. Yeah, it's it. it I, I mean, I, it, it, of anti-Semitic stuff in general, super fucked up. Yeah, if you're gonna be a Secret, racist, just be like an anti-Semitic out- stuff. Yeah, I, I think even more so fucked up. Hidden racism is way weirder than like uh, out in the open racism. I'm okay with out in the open racists because they, I think there's like an opportunity to change them. But like a closet racist who like really has these interesting bigoted ideas that are like deeply rooted, but they don't let them out until they. Till there's like this weird side of them those are the people that are hard the one that really tapped me out was the guy that does uh the, the little like kind of kind of seahorses okay you know the little like the the, the tiny little creatures that kind of you, you pull them out of a packet rehydrate them and then they kind of you know like yeah they're like okay like a growing seahorse yeah it's, yeah. it, it's i think it's technically uh, an animal called a brine shrimp Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. like then, sea monkeys. Yeah, sea monkeys. That, that's the word that I'm looking for. Sea. I think a seahorse is maybe something. I, I think it's maybe a more legitimate animal. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Um, but a, but but a sea monkey is exactly the the thing. So this guy basically developed sea monkeys, which is a brine shrimp that you rehydrate. You know, kind of comes back to life and or you know reconstitutes. And then a couple days later, once it's already most of the way going, you add some some dye to it, and then it makes it look like something's happening. Yeah. Or as as if it's come back to life. Uh, so this guy was actually funding uh, like anti-Semitic practices and like I had so like many super sea right wing stuff. Really? And, yeah, I had tons of sea monkeys. Yeah, it's I insane, dude. I loved my sea monkeys. I had like I can't even believe that I had so many sets of sea monkeys. Now I can all all I see is little Nazi Hitler youth sea monkeys walking around. Ah, Hitler! <laughs> sea. Good thing I killed them all off eventually, so I guess I committed my own genocide. <laughs> Here's the reality. I birthed those brine shrimp just to murder them. So, uh, in, in interesting paradox I've just put myself into. Yeah, the wine's fantastic. I think it actually paired really well with the cannabis. I think you should have your first puff out of the Puffco Peak. I'm going to serve you up one. Yeah, out, of the, out of the Puffco Peak here. We'll move this forward. It's great hanging with you today. uh, It was your birthday yesterday. Happy birthday. Thank you. You're awesome. So happy to have you here. It's really great when I get to have my good buds. I'm so excited with the beers with buds thing because I get to have all these different buds come in. And uh, yeah, it's so so exciting. It's so cool to see how everybody chats too with the microphone. Uh, Yeah, I love it, man. Just open format. Open format, hanging out. No bullshit, out. no agencies. No, we're not working for it. Yeah, we're full-time as the Cannabis Sommelier now. That's it. We're, we're, we're all in. It's uh, it, it's game on, so we can talk about anything we want. This might even end up being the first episode. Uh, I know I had a... I dig it, man. I think, that, I think this would be a great first episode. Then they can really get to know me as a, as a wine nerd and not anybody else. Um, so what, do you, have you, what are you thinking about legalization as I pack you up this? Just tell me about how you feel about legalization right now because that's kind of a hot topic. Uh, I, I think it's, it's absolutely a step in the right direction. It's pretty good. It's pretty good. Uh, there are definitely some problems with it. Um, I think even, even if just, you know, for like, even if not, even if you're a connoisseur, if you're somebody that's been smoking marijuana in the past, um, you're not going to like the prices and you're not going to like the quality. I think that's something that will, you know, it'll, it'll, it'll take years to, to get, you're not going to jail, but you're not going to jail. It is legal. Did anybody actually ever go to jail when it was illegal? Well, I'm, I'm sure lots. I, I, I hope there's some kind of remediation in, in terms of getting people out of prisons after... Uh, That's something after I need to look into, too, because I don't know if people are getting out. That would suck. Everybody's record, anybody that's sitting on probation that's worried about 
Well, I don't know, because drug dealers are very penalized. They're not, they're not, but let's talk about this, because this is a great one. Those, um, I'm going to have to look it up while we talk about it, but the cannabis company that from Winnipeg bought in 200 kilograms of illegal cannabis. Did you read this news article? No. Oh, fantastic. I don't know this one. So these, uh, so with the Puffco, I'm just going to leave this, it's going to vibrate in your hand and then just make sure everything's melted off the dabber and then put the carb cap on and just slowly puff on it. The carb cap on this is yeah, amazing. It's just, hilarious. Um, so these guys, and make sure you hold that dabber because we don't want to drop them on the ground. Um, I'm just going to look and see what this canvas company was. Uh, but they bought in 200 kilograms of illicit cannabis and sold it on the clear market. And um, nobody got in trouble. Like... They fired the board of directors, but nobody's going to jail. And this, and to me, it's astounding that uh, a company gets to purchase 200 kilograms of illicit cannabis. 200 kilograms, like that's not a small amount. Bonafide cannabis, that's who it is. Um, Bonafide cannabis from Winnipeg. They sold 200 kilograms, or they pa- bought and packaged 200 kilograms of legal weed and sold it in the clear market. And uh, they're not going to jail. So what is the margin on 200 kilograms? Were they even fined? What? No. They just fired matter. the board of directors and now they've been delisted in the province. Uh, here, let me restart for you. So there's a button right on the front. You just double tap that. There you go. Oh, no. We changed the temperature here. Pass it back. Sure. Don't worry about Technology, it. Technology, man. Um, so they just fired the board of directors. And However, really like this. It works well, yeah, right? as, as a quick side note. There'll be a few more puffs on it, so just uh, you can keep it. It'll vibrate in your hands again. Just let it chill for a sec. Um, yeah, so they bring in these guys, and j- they just fire the board of directors, and that's it. There's no, uh, there's no. It doesn't seem like there's any repercussions. They delisted the product, but it, but their LP license hasn't been pulled, uh, and they're not under investigation or detained as uh, drug dealers. Which blows my mind, because as I read it, that's a 14-year minimum sentence. That's insane. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's all good. There, there has to be more repercussions for that. Yeah, how can they not that, be that, accountability? That's bad business. Yeah, it's... From Health Canada. Or from the government of Canada. Yeah, so that's, a, that's an interesting one. Um, and there's <coughs> the Afria thing, where they were apparently a shell company. And they bought a whole bunch of facilities all over. And when the investors went to check them out, there's not actually anything there. Um, but, you know, venture capital money is everywhere in this industry. And I'm, I'm with you. I don't think it's a bad thing that legalization happened. But I don't think there's this connoisseur market that people would have really liked. Especially uh, if you're trying to normalize cannabis and transition people from the wine world into consuming cannabis. You can't have... Um, a low grade like you know i have friends that i drink great wine with and it, they're like if, if we're gonna smoke we're gonna smoke the best and yeah. uh i i appreciate that idea because i well i try and only smoke the best yeah absolutely and and also i mean if you're doing this with any interest of of health or wellness or well-being it's a great point um don't put crap in your body well, that's a scary idea because you're supposed to trust the recreational producers, but so far they've built nothing but distrust in my eyes. Um, it scares me. Like I only vape all the cannabis that I'm reviewing, but when I smoke it, 
I think I would give different opinions. Because, but I can't give you as accurate of a description of flavor if I smoke it. So I'm thinking now that I may... Well, I've been considering that I may have to roll in a smoking section because I can really see the flush and the quality of the cannabis mm-hmm. uh, in the ash. But I'm really putting myself in... <laughs> I'm jumping in front of the bullet for all of you, so you better watch the reviews because <laughs> I'm, re- I'm really taking this hit for you. And, and, and he's putting himself on the line. Yeah, you know, Sarah got poisoned by uh, by medicinal cannabis that was purchased from Organogram into Aurora. Um, yeah, terrible lung issues ongoing still. So, really? so that gives me serious distrust. Like that's a that's a uh, ongoing lawsuit right now. It, are these people that are sick um, because of cannabis that was sprayed with foliar sprays? There's a lot of different uh, foliar sprays. Microbutanol is the main culprit, uh, and a lot of people got away with uh, letting people smoke these things that should not be smoked. Yeah, it's horrendous, man. I know. So, but yeah, it's growing pains. I don't want to just complain about cannabis all the time. Where would you go in the world if you could go right now? Well, you're going to... I know where you're going. Yeah, well, I'm, I'm going to San Francisco tomorrow. Fuck, pretty easy. Is, uh, yeah, yeah. I'm uh, very, very excited. I don't know if it's I don't know if it's the uh, the number one place that I'd want to go. No? Um, Are you going to go to Hyatt and Ashbury? Uh, I was going for a quick, uh, quick stay. Yeah, I'm going to go check it out. I was going to ask... Apparently, it's not that, like, hippity-dippity anymore, but send yeah, me a I picture. Know. I love see the... See what's up. Do you like the Grateful Dead? Uh, yeah, I, I, I fuck on the psychedelic stuff a little bit. Yeah, but I'm you know, not, like I'm, a, not, I'm not a huge deadhead. You're not a like, deadhead, yeah. yeah. Like I got the I got the special collector's edition stuff. I, I don't have any blacklight posters or uh, or like you know like crazy uh, I get t-shirts or, or anything like that. But I, you know, I, I fuck with the psychedelic stuff. I don't have any t-shirt Grateful Dead t-shirts, and I feel like when I tell people, like I really like the Grateful Dead. I got a bunch of records. I read about them. Like I know the history. But I don't have any t-shirts, and I feel like if I tell people I'm a, I'm a Grateful Dead fan and I don't have a t-shirt, they're like, fuck you. <laughs> You're not a de- dead fan. Bumper sticker? Uh... I don't have a coexist bumper sticker, no. Not yet. <laughs> um, I think I would like to go and see Dead & Company, though, with John Mayer. Apparently, he's way better. I hate saying this. I'm like, every deadhead, if there's a deadhead listening, they're like, fuck you. Jerry Garcia's the man. But apparently, John Mayer's way better. Um... All the other guys are totally like in it, you know. They never had hardcore drug problems, and John Mayer is a great musician with a beautiful voice. And when he sings those same songs, is not like Jerry Garcia. Uh, and I really want to go see the Dead Company. Really interesting. So sorry, this is like a like John Mayer like. Oh yeah, John Mayer tours with all the because everybody else in the Grateful Dead's still living except for like uh what was his name road pig or something he was there's a few dead guys that have been in and out of the band over the years but like the core really good members uh oh oh, man i don't want to list them off in case i mess it up but it's like i think i feel like i feel like i want to no i'm not gonna say it bob sinclair bill kreutzman uh a few of the other guys it's just a a solid few of the other guys guys. solid (laughs) core yeah solid core of uh of of grateful dead long time guys the best guys and John Mayer's the frontman, because he's a fantastic blues guitarist. Oh yeah, and he sings like a like a dream. Guy's fantastic. That's amazing. Yeah, so he's um they totally didn't realize that they've been touring for three years now I think because he was a huge fan and just asked and they really 
dug it like he's 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 great amazing <laughs> yeah well, I'm, I'm sure I'm, i bet it also exposes grateful dead to a whole different like audience another another realm of people that weren't weren't ever aware of them in, in in their current generation totally it's interesting to think though as john mayer going out and doing a cover band yeah um That's crazy when will the dead and company release like new tracks in that grateful dead style but you know the grateful dead never had any radio success they never had a had a top 10 hit like you'll never hear a grateful dead track on the radio and that's why they don't have any fans except for the masses of loyal fans and i feel like what people love and listen to more often than not with the grateful dead are just like the uh like the live recordings well that's that the grateful dead is not a studio album yeah they're a jam band and what was so cool about the dead um is that they let people record. They encouraged tapers. That's what they called them back in the day. People would tape concerts. They encouraged tapers because uh, there became this counterculture of, of sharing and trading the different shows and understanding the different versions because they were a, a, a jam band, again, from the acid test days where they would just play and be inspired. And so every single show is different like i have the cornell show in the basement that was lucky enough that a taper got to plug into the master rig and so it's fantastically taped but they do like this 14 minute version of uh violi blues and it's like that's the only time they ever did it and that's what makes them such a great band and that's why people need to see them friday and saturday every week the whole year because no shows alike plus five stamps acid makes everything awesome But yeah, The Dead is, uh, you know, and I don't think there's ever been another jam band like that. Like, people aren't stoked to improvise. And I love, I hate perfection. I used to be all into perfection in music, and now I listen back on my music, and I'm like, fuck, I sucked. Uh, and I regret so badly that I didn't share more with people, because yeah, I was I, too worried about it being I, I, better. I don't know too much about your music. You sitting b- behind my album that oh, I released I, I in 2014. In. Yeah, I did an album in 2014. I was a resident DJ for Blueprint. I got to play for Open for Souls of Mischief, where I got a tattoo, a 93 to Infinity tattoo, two years before, and then I got to open for them and chill and smoke blunts with them and rap awesome. and Talib Kweli and you know I got to play some so many amazing venues and uh you know I would always loved infected mushrooms and I got to work with their live set three times and uh, cool. got to meet all the guys in the band and develop relationships with them and uh yeah music was great I love music you saw the jam space in the basement yeah. I have a uh, I have my jam band Hershey Moigle and the Bad Jews Hershey Moigle Hershey Moigle Moigle yes it. it's the most Jewish name I could think of so the shtick is is that everybody who comes is a bad Jew anybody who like we're all bad Jews at heart so if you come to come play in the band you're a bad Jew but uh, I, I thought it. I thought a t-shirt that said I heart BJ's would be great too B- BJ's being bad Jews yes exactly you got it you got it you know just have just have a little fun but yeah I, I i wanted to be a musician really badly i started as a rapper <laughs> and then i started making hip-hop beats and i started making dance music um but i play drums and guitar and bass and piano and uh i love music it's great i i, I love music man but nobody plays music like, you listen to it. I listen to it, yeah. It's so hard. My hardest thing that I've been doing lately is recruiting musicians. I feel like 
now that I have all my instruments together, some sat at my mom's for a long time. It's like every single person I ask, I'm like, oh, do you play instruments? And they're like, no. And then when, as soon as I find one person that actually plays instruments, I latch onto them super hard. And I'm like, come jam, come jam. Sarah's brother was actually the best uh, musician I've got to play with. Okay, I think it goes back a little bit to the kind of like lost appreciation of uh, craftsmanship. I feel like good musicianship and good music it ha- has a lot to do with good craftsmanship. Totally. You're, you become a master of one thing or maybe five things, but you're you're really, really committed to it. And that's not something that very many people are particularly interested in now. No, <laughs> nobody wants to be great. They just want to yeah. be good. That's an interesting idea. Yeah, I feel like there's a lot, there's, there's, there's a lot of gliding through. Oh, totally. I Which wa- isn't always the worst thing. I think sometimes you have to glide through. Yeah. Uh, but but I think there are, there are definitely less craftsmen. and <laughs> I know. watch Shark Tank, and I think to myself, it's, it's man, less common. how easy is it to run a business if all these dumbasses have got this far? Like It seems like I watch all those entrepreneurial shows, and I'm like, Whoa, these people are dense. Like, there's you could anybody can do it like it's good like life's good just go full send no breaks and you'll you'll probably make it and if you don't well hopefully you didn't spend five hundred thousand dollars inventing an orthopedic that already exists or something how do you think you would pitch the cannabis song on the shark tank i would i would never you know why i feel like it'd be a really good shark tank it would be it would be one where i would uh where i would say you're out you're out because that was my favorite that was my favorite shark tank but i would walk in you know So I would probably pitch the events company, and I would I would go I would go in pretty strong, you know. I'm Andrew Friedman, I'm the cannabis sommelier, and I'm offering you ooh twenty percent for two hundred fifty thousand dollars today. What am I selling? I'm selling events and content. We're creating one of a kind cannabis and wine events as the cannabis world emerges internationally. We show people an opportunity to normalize cannabis and literally bring cannabis back to the dinner table, utilizing world-renowned chefs seen all over TV uh, and creating a dialogue around wine. Everybody's done a wine tasting or knows somebody that's done a wine tasting. Cannabis is just as individual and can be enjoyed exactly the same. The content side is we create a TV show that does all these different episodes focused around these dinners um, and, and continues to evolve and emerge and is exactly like a Food Network show. So for your $250,000, I'll give you 25% of the earnings from the TV show. <laughs> and, then we'll, and then we'll see what they say. Yeah. But, I would, but, but, you know, they're not taking my pitch. Or they'd be super into it. Or they'd want to change the business completely. But I wouldn't go in because I think it's a scam. I know you can bootstrap any business or and do it yourself as long as you've set yourself up well enough. Um, and the venture capital money I'd want, I would, you know, an angel investor would be a lot nicer mm-hmm. than a shark. Absolutely. So many of those deals don't go through. And I want somebody that would believe in, uh, in me and my hustle me as an entrepreneur and the the triangle that is Avesta um, more than I'd want to pitch. I don't know who's Mark Cuban. Yeah, I I, I I'm I'm not convinced that Mark Cuban's the guy. I don't like I watch I yeah Shark Tank's interesting because they seem to pitch money a lot easier at people than they do on Dragons Den. Shark Tank like you know I don't like I don't really like Mark Cuban. Uh, Dragons Den is 
just crazy. Well, there's a bunch of Calgary chicks on there now. This oh, season, there's there's tons. There's tons Man, of Calgary but, people. But but the judges, Manjeet, Minhas, you got Arlene Dickinson, really? and you for, got for, Michelle Minhas Brewery. Yeah, and you got Michelle Romano, and they all do business in Calgary. Amazing. So it's interesting. That would yeah, I yeah, it's so hard though talking and trying to sell the cannabis side of things in Canada. Right. Um, even though we have full legalization, it seems like the United States is way more receptive of what I do. Oh yeah, yeah. I don't. I don't think you would ever have any business being on a uh, on the Canadian equivalent of the Shark Tank. Well, not yet. Like the Dragon's Den. I don't ever have to, want to have to ask anybody like that for money. Let's put Actually, it that way. I, I, there's a there's a business that we used a little while back that was on a Dragon's Den. Which one? Is our uh, our CNC guy or like a computer numeric controlled router guy? They do like kind of like 3D carving and stuff like that. Give him a shout out. But the guy actually has a terrarium and fish tank business that he does custom. Cool. I don't remember the name of it. We're, we'll, we'll we'll hype it up on uh, on the credits. Uh, he has yeah. a, a beautiful blind dog. A blind Shiba Inu named Cody. Just Shout out a, to Cody. We remember him. Just a real treat of a dog. <laughs> hanging out in the workshop. So we're, we're on it. You know, I think we should probably do a dinner soon. We'll get the hype going. Um, but this new year, like, we're definitely going to do a cannabis and wine dinner, I think. Absolutely. If it doesn't happen at the bar, I think it'll happen at a secret location. But, you know, it'll be associated with the brand. I think we'll call it a secret location permanently. But we're gonna do something sick. Absolutely. Awesome. I'm stoked to hear hear uh, hear your thoughts. What did you think of the space dog with the wine? Really, really enjoy it. I thought it uh, it it brought out. I think I think because the the space dog has so much of a red fruit quality of its own, um, it almost toned down the red fruits in the wine and brought out a little bit more of the spiciness and almost more of a black tea quality mm-hmm. on the palate which i i really really enjoyed and it didn't mess with the acid either because that's one of the hard things is when it starts making mm-hmm. it taste like lime yeah in a red wine that's the hardest thing to circumvent but when you get a extract like that the space dog or gelato i found those two smelled very similar mm-hmm. with that complexity they kill with red yeah. wines yeah and i think too if, if i think if you are gonna mess around with red wines with your extracts or dry flour mm-hmm. uh and just you, you can't you can't do those high alcohol high tannin bruisers i had a really great good. pairing on the show where i did gg4 flower rosin and valpuchella ripasso and it made it like ripasso. it made it ah. it messed with the like i don't know what it did but it made the the, the tannin feel so much lighter and it made the wine juicier it's got some residual though yeah, it elevated I feel, I feel, the sugar. I feel like residual is probably the key in uh, in that pair. The sugar was yeah. totally the key, and I say this all the time. If you're looking to make a good pairing, it's sugar. Yeah. Um, because when you get the right pairing, the, the body, the mouth feel is elevated. Like, there's oh, more yeah. sugar in the wine. Just so fucking awesome. I don't know why people are so afraid of, of sweet wines. I know. Off dry Riesling and Chenin Blanc. But they drink pop. Even champagne with, you know, with a good hit of dosage. Yeah, they drink pop. You want a gin and tonic, but you don't want a, a wine with like 10 grams of residual sugar. You don't want dessert? <laughs> What's wrong with you? Yeah. Have you ever, you know what? That's like, people have never had Ekem. And one, I don't know if you do this to people often, but I have a lot of people over that aren't wine nerds constantly. And I pour them crazy wines. And now I'm getting all these people like, oh, I didn't know wine tasted like this. And it's like, yeah, it's because 
You just have to have the good stuff. Sweet wines with high acidity are incredible. Incredible. Well, when you get them in perfect balance with lots of concentration, or sometimes with not that much much concentration. I love Botrytis Riesling. Oh, man. Oh, late harvest Botrytis Riesling. Uh, Who has a great one cheap in Canada? I feel like it's Quail's Gate has a late harvest Botrytis affected Riesling for like 24 bucks for a half bottle. Really? It is. Wow. Super reasonable. What's the other one? Oh, there's one from South America. I can see the logo in my head now. I feel like it's an Aaron Felser and it's from... Uh, oh, I can't remember it at all. I, I remember having it poured for me two days before it was poured for me in my W set class. And I was like, this is what the wine is. And she's like, <laughs> I, I, I love crushing blinds like that. Shout out to Elliot oh who used to work at Crofa wines. Now he's at, uh, silver Springs. Great dude. He's going to come on the podcast soon and Big. he'll, he'll remember that wine. Sh- shout out to silver Springs is the, uh, the epic plug of amazing old bottles for many years. Oh really? Spot- you, you buy from them? The spot has been blown now but don't nobody knows where it is we didn't say the town because that's one of the hidden parts amazing amazing spot for plucking old bottles so but, you know elliot then uh, i i don't know elliot oh you're gonna have to meet him you'll love him could i i, I might have been going there pre uh pre elliot okay yeah, he came in i think a year and a half ago as oh, yeah. the as the gm yeah, maybe de- or as one of the wine guys time okay we're, we'll have to meet him hang yeah. out with him because he's a cool Dude, he loves cannabis. He loves great wines. He really put me on at first. I remember the first time I went and tasted when I was a wine rep. I went into Crowfoot, their main store, and he was the the fine wines guy for Crowfoot. Um, And I was tasting my wines, and it was literally the first time I'd ever done an in-store tasting. And I checked all the wines. I grabbed a glass from, like, the fine wine side, and I I checked all my wines before I poured them. You know, I smelled them to make sure that I wasn't pouring bad wines. And he came up to me, and he's like... I've never seen a rep check their wines before. He's like, bro, what's up? What's your name? And I was like, ah, it's, you know, I'm Andy. And uh, then we became great friends because I I ended up working there a few more times. But, you know, it's just that one. It's interesting how first impressions really matter and the little things. It's also it's also amazing how few people care about the quality of wines that they're pouring. Even even, even (laughs) check the bottles, you know. Oh well, you know. It, I feel like, I feel like that is exceptional within uh, wine agents in Calgary. A lot of them don't even check their wines. I constantly get poured corked wines because <laughs> you get tasted five days of the week, yeah. probably. Oh man, that's constantly funny. Constantly getting corked wines. <laughs> when do you stop taking appointments with new agents? At what point is it like, no, nah, I've had enough. These these are my guys. I'm done. I don't want your corked wines oh, anymore. Man, I hate meeting with agents it's impossible but they're a crude essential part of the in of the job right they are but i i think you only need to meet with a with a handful of them you you, you can pick like a half dozen and, and you're and good just stick with those meet with them every other month and you can have 150 wines yeah if they give you a hard time and <laughs> pull your allocations or you know whatever i'll well, fuck them yeah, if yeah. For everybody there's, listening. there's someone else waiting there, just like just gearing for the business. Well, there's sure. there's so many. I think it's 136,000 wine listings in Alberta, um, SKUs, and then there's, man, I think it's 860 agencies or something through Alberta. Like, yeah. 
It's a, it's a really impressive amount of uh, selection in Alberta. I yeah. love it. This is the wine haven for the world. One of the best wine havens in the world. I agree. Yeah. I think outside of uh, major American markets and major European markets, um, and, and I think, you know, of course, it goes without saying, you know, like uh, uh, Tokyo and Hong Kong and, you know, major, major markets like that. This has got to be one of the best. Well, our tax, it's kind of like tax evasion doing yeah. business here. Yeah. The pricing is, is almost too good to be true. Yeah. <laughs> privatization. Great. Nowhere else in Canada has privatized liquor like we do in Alberta. And that was one of the important things. When I got into wine so that I could learn cannabis, I want I became a Canadian wine scholar so that I could learn Canadian wine law in and out. And one of the things I learned was like, it must have been Ralph Klein at that point because he did something so wonderful for the province. <laughs> that, whoever pulled something that deal the, off. The 1980s. 93 was the year of privatization. Look at this beer. Okay, so we got uh, from Bose yeah, Brewing. What are, we, what are we getting into? Kill, Ontario. And I think it's a. I think it's actually Blueberry IPA. I didn't actually look what I grabbed. Blueberry IPA. Cavalier Blue, Blueberry IPA. Oh. Wild Oats uh, series. Bose Brewing. Great, great brewery. I really wild like them. Wild Oats. Yeah, and, and, and blueberry juice. So like I love. From foraged wild oats. Uh, all about the color looks great. And in the cast glass. Thanks, Andrew. It means absolutely nothing unless you're listening from Calgary, Alberta. But shout out to everybody listening everywhere else in the world. I appreciate you. If you want to see a dinner happen in your city, a cannabis and craft beer dinner, a cannabis and wine dinner, I'd love for you to email me at thecannabissom at gmail.com. Let me know what city you're in. Let me know what you want. Let me know if you can help me because I want to be there and I want to turn it into some amazing content and I want to turn it into a TV show. So also, if you're an angel investor and you want to go around and have a sweet TV show, Let's crush it. How, what do you think of the beer? Is it smelling good? I'm doing a bad pour for a, myself. It's got really interesting uh, aromatics to it. Because I think you've got the, the smell of the blueberries as well as the hop character. Mm. Which I think can sometimes bookend it. You know, kind of, kind of coalesce into each other. I think saying, uh, saying blue fruits to people, a lot of people don't really know what you're what you're talking about but well that's a hard one right what does a blueberry really taste like yeah but i think blueberries syrah grapes that that have a little bit of that kind of rotundin you know kind of a kind of peppery quality to them. rotundin rotundin oh what the fuck is that i'm like a, the most pretentious wine guy i don't know what that is it's kind of a peppery uh kind of kind of, kind of a peppery kind of spicy uh aromatic quality. man you can never use that as a describing word that one's deep that's so deep, rotundant. Is, oh, this is intense. Is it strong? Is it sweet? Well, I think you you get a, a bit of the initial sweetness from the blueberries, <laughs> but um, a Let me really tell you, pronounced hop character. I don't like it. And uh, yeah, I feel um, I think something about the I, I think I think there's a reason you don't put really intense hop car- or really intense hop flavors with really intense fruit flavors like this look yeah because yeah. it tastes like medicine it tastes gross you know if we were going to do it on the channel it'd be like so the color is a deep like rubied purple i don't even know how to describe it when we the head was nice there was a little bit of lacing and it stayed frothy on top but then as i drank it it was all like overly sweet blueberry juice that was cut with blackberry and bramble juice uh and then like kind of just a little bit too hoppy 
of a beer probably would have been good separate, but there's too much residual sugar going on. The beer is very sweet, and that gives it a, a like a heavy body finish. And it, uh, it feels very sweet, but also very tannic. It feels like it was made with uh, with with all the stems and yeah, it, and, and the you know it's covering my mouth. I got the, the fuzzy slippers. That's and... so funny. I was just about to say that. It's everywhere. So, I really do not enjoy this. No, we might have who, to. Who, who makes this? It's Bose Brewing. Bose Brewing. I actually really like their Tom Green Milk Stout. My buddy used to sell these. Yeah, of course you can. My buddy used to sell these, uh, and so I I I try them every once in a while. Uh, but yeah, on a scale of one to don't like this beer, it's probably like a three, maybe a two. I don't know if you had that blueberry vanilla thing that came out from Jasper Brewing over the summer. Tasted just like this, and it was not, uh, not my cup so, of tea. So, curiously, this is in the Wild Oats series, and ingredients include local spring water, organic barley malts, organic blueberry juice, organic hops, and brewer's yeast. Sans wild oats. There's no wild oats. <laughs> it says wild oats. One, two. Okay, so only two places. But on the brand beer. But it but it does say wild oats two places on the beer and it contains no wild oats. Or so, oats whatsoever. Or anything wild. Nothing there's nothing wild about this. If anything, this is like a tame little girl's beer. Not convinced. Not convinced. <laughs> That was brilliant. I think even little girls would be better off drinking uh, some kind of blueberry cranberry cocktail. Cru Morgon. Yeah, yeah. Cru Beaujolais is a let's get so let's get alternative. Yeah, I can. I can, I'll so grab it. I'm not convinced. I'm more comfortable moving this mic around, so I'll grab it. I'm not. Oh yeah, not convinced. I love how you said that. It smells okay, but the it tastes like just terrible. really got to figure out how to get these on videotape because that the face you made when you said not convinced was just gold just absolute gold i'm going to try and turn this into uh some content for instagram too so that would just be hilarious to put on the vonderfels or even what what are you on instagram young dop aoc with just y-u-n-g underscore d-o-p underscore aoc young dop aoc check them out what i I, not to interrupt you i just want to ask when does this turn into the Jesus and miro show <laughs> at no point. This is the at no point. At no point. I don't even know what that show is. Tell me more about it. You don't know the Jesus and Mirror show? No, but it sounds it's, great. It's these two guys from uh, from Brooklyn that just like just like throw down that they had a show on Vice. Really? Okay, yeah. tell me more about the show. Come on. It, it it went off air maybe I don't know three months ago, and they're coming back on Showtime in a couple of months. But what do it, they do? It, it just came out of a podcast. What do they do? Shit. Just chat shit. Yeah. Just talk shit. Yo, shout out. Say their name again. Jesus and Miro. Shout out to those motherfuckers. Thank you for the format. We're hanging. I hope. I hope they just jump through the wall like the Kool Aid Man right now. And they're like, ah, gotcha. You this would. Is I, I, I think you would absolutely love it. I'm gonna it's watch. A, it's kind of a. It's kind of. I don't know. Kind of Joe Rogan podcast kind of powwow format. Isn't every but, but podcast Joe Rogan condensed down into like a. It's almost it's almost condensed down into um, I don't know like like a like a late night show. Oh, I like I appreciate that idea. Yeah, it's interesting. So, so they have their podcast, Bodega Boys. Bodega the, Boys, uh, yeah, love it. The the kind of main the main bit, 
And then the Deezus and Miro show was on Vice, which is condensed down to maybe, I don't know, 20 minutes or half hour or something like that. But it's basically just stolen from their podcast or what? No, no, it's it, it, it's all, uh, it's different content. Is it original yeah. skits? Are they funny guys? No, it's like it's like late night, man. There's there's some clips, interesting there's some memes. There's some shit talking. There's rap talk, sports talk. Isn't it crazy to think celeb talk content is so crazy? Like who is? I watch TV constantly. I love TV. I love watching commercials. I love advertisement. Like these are things that genuinely interest me, as well as film. I love watching new movies. I love seeing how people portrayed things. Um, but, like, at what point does that medium die? People are on Netflix, right? Like, if you're, you know, we're pretty young guys, uh, 26, 28, happy birthday again. Thank you. Um, at what point does cable TV stop being consumed? Like, people don't, Alberta is the highest rate of adoption of not having a landline and cable TV because those things are generally coupled together. When do people just totally ditch cable? And when is content like it? Like YouTube is the second biggest search engine in the world. Go watch my YouTube channel, The Cannabis Sommelier, if you haven't. <laughs> That's the shameless self-promotion. But at what point do people just ditch it and it's like straight Netflix, straight YouTube? Netflix had so many Golden Globe nominations last night. Yeah, I feel I feel like cable's done, man. It's it's game over. Advertisement yeah, I feel sucks. Like cable is is over. I feel like the next time a millennial moves into a new apartment or a new house, and it's a pain in the ass to get cable, they're just gonna stick with their Netflix because they're gonna get internet anyways. I haven't had cable in years, and it sucked because I always had to go to a bar to watch a sports game because I love sports. I don't know if you know that about me, but I love sports. Um, but when we bought this house and they offered us free cable. They were like, oh, this is our gift to you. And I did the math, and it was like, if I if I take their stupid cable and internet package, it was like, in the long run, $45 cheaper than me just paying for internet. So I was like, okay, I'll take your free six months. I'll take your discounted rate. I'm into it. And I even still kind of lament the fact that I have cable, even though I just told you I love watching it because i feel like i waste my time i love the advertisements the advertisements suck i never want to buy any of the stuff um but i still watch it and i still want to be part of that medium so badly like i watch food network and i'm like oh i want to make a show for this like a netflix cannabis and wine show is cannabis wine and food show isn't as cool as it would be if i cut commercials into the middle of it (laughs) no i don't know man tv's tough I feel like, uh, so I, after high school, I did not buy a TV or get cable. Yeah, you don't have one in your, you don't have one in your house at all. So we, 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 we we do actually have a TV. Uh, we plugged it in once for for like, make sure it worked for like two or three hours. Okay. Uh, what did you watch? Harry Potter? No, we watched uh, <laughs> some Curb Your Enthusiasm DVDs. Oh, oh, um, right then, okay. Yeah, so I mean, it's, yeah, it's, it's a good thing to good thing to get in there. It wasn't that like um, bad, yeah. But honestly, man, the blue light that comes out of those things is hard. Hurts your face. Tough. Hurts my face, and uh, I just I'm not I'm not convinced of TV. I, I took a couple of years off, and every now and again I pick it up, and it I feel like there's you're just you're just dealing with those kind of like false personalities. Someone trying to sell you shit. Someone trying to work their angle on you. And that's all that happens on TV for me. Yeah, that's fair. I wish there was more authenticity. Yeah. 
I feel like, you know, maybe years ago, I think there was some really good programming on like, like showcase where, or, you know, even, even going further back. What um, do you, what show are you thinking about in your mind? You got any examples? You got anything that you're like, yeah, this was a good program that I would watch. (laughs) Nah, it's all crap. You're like, fuck this. It's, I would might watch something on BBC or showcase, but it's basically something that's out right now on TV right now that I would watch. Even 20 years ago. I love King of the Hill. I own every season of King of the Hill. It hasn't been on TV in like 20 years now. I bet if you were born in 18 yeah. years old now, they wouldn't even know what King of the Hill was. St- I think Sopranos. Ooh, that's timeless. Yeah. Incredible writing. That's good stuff. I think you have... Ju- it's just a, a perfect uh, intersection of like really amazing casting, really amazing actors, great screenwriting, um, great production. Everything just comes together. And you get a perfect sense of place and time and, and personalities. And it's I think it's an amazing series. But if you watch it more than once, you've wasted your life. Ah, I don't know, man. I, I've seen it two times. Wow, and you, you don't debating, own a TV. Debating a third. you got to buy a TV. Oh, you have a laptop. You're a cheating. Ah, uh, see, there's still some but, Netflix. But you know what? I, I miss out on the movie theater. No? Oh, do you you don't go to the movies? No, I, we, we do go to the movies. But I think having access to the the stuff that you want to watch in mm-hmm. that format would be very different. If I had a big screen at home or a big projector or something like that. Like my 60 inch downstairs. I, I hate going to the movies. I'm like, I, love it. I, I can't, I don't steal uh, anything anymore off the internet. I'm not admitting that I ever stole anything off the internet, but I don't do it anymore. And, <laughs> um, but it's crazy to me that like Netflix, you get an instant day release. And when I was when I was in LA, it's crazy to see how many billboards they put up to actually hype these movies for day one release because these movies, you know, they're going to be Oscar nominated movies, they're Golden Globe nominated movies. The movies that Netflix are creating and giving to you that are the same quality that would be in the movie theater day one for your normal subscription fee is such a crazy contender that now the movie theater model has been moved to like you can get a movie you know it sits in the theater for a month and then maybe two or three weeks after you're able to buy it on itunes or even they have an exclusive offer with any which place where you can see this movie three weeks before whatever if it's play if it's a sony movie then you can do it on playstation or yada 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 and it's just like the movie theater is a very an industry that's going to die super soon. Yeah, you see all the things they're trying to do: give you comfier seats, bring food to you, serve you liquor, so that you can watch a movie that you probably could have waited three weeks for and seen at home. Yeah, it's a hard idea. Yep, and it's expensive. It's expensive. Minimum wage is already up. Right, people get fifteen dollars an hour here in Alberta. Uh, anybody enraged in the United States right now? Yes, you heard it correctly. One five fifteen dollars an hour is minimum wage. But what is that? Ten bucks U.S. Oh uh, yeah, go oh, at twelve twelve fifty. That's right. a that's we'll that's a that. great that's a yeah, great wage. That's true. Like a lot of places in the United States, if you're like a unskilled worker, a kitchen worker, um, a laborer, like twelve fifty an hour is a is a serious. I think states, there's a, I think some states still have minimum wage of like $3 or $4. Wouldn't surprise me. Completely. Those slavery states. And you know, and they get away with paying uh, illegal immigrants even, even less, right? Hardest working people I've ever worked with were the two Mexican guys I live with on the vineyard. Um, 
and you know that like i know that mexican people work super hard and i know that there's tons of people being like taken advantage of and then there's all this controversy from uh, the drump about like open the fucking government asshole are you kidding me don't build a fucking wall you should I love the Zhukovsky thing where he wanted to build a university on the border of Texas and Mexico to unite internationalism. Cause, cause why wouldn't you let people in? I'm so lost. Why you think the murderers are in Mexico and not in America. More people have died in America from mass gun violence than collectively all of the wars they've ever participated in. insane <laughs> i i don't know what's going on down there right now. it's a joke it's literally the laughing stock of the world i go places in the world i talk to my friends all over the world and people just make fun of donald trump and it's great it's yeah, he's out of his mind well what are they doing with his reality tv president down there man seriously seriously it's uh i love that I, lo- I saw this thing that uh matt groaning was a time traveler Nobody else could have predicted all these things except for the Simpsons, the Blackberry, the iPad, FaceTime, the Drumpf, and it. Uh, and you're reaching back for some more of the beer. You knew I'm it was bad. Sure. I'm just curious to see what it's, what it's doing. It's not going to be doing anything. It's a. I don't think that was a good beer. It's not a good Bose, beer. Bose, I love the Tom Green Milk Stout, not the Milk Stout Tom Green. It says it on their label. Anyways, uh, that's a great beer. You really missed it with this Cavalier Blue I spent like 12 bucks on this beer. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah. In privatized liquor country, too. So if you're buying this at the LCBO, it's probably a $21 beer. That's crazy. Crazy, That's crazy, sad. crazy. It just doesn't... I don't know if it... I don't know if the style makes any sense to me at all. No, it's a disaster. It's a, it's a fruity disaster. I often don't like... Well... No, if you watch the channel, I love fruit beers. I really enjoy fruit beers. And I love good fruit beers. Right? Uh, for me, there's almost nothing better. This is a bad fruit beer. It's really horrendous. <laughs> we're just going to keep ripping up. Sorry, Bose, you shouldn't have put out something bad because now we're, we're literally just have a show where we critique stuff. Sarah hates it. Sarah's my fiance, if anybody's just learning this. Um, but the fact that I've decided to give my opinion on everything and I really just want my to give my opinion and let it be something is uh i think it's great for my personal brand i think it's terrible for my relationship (laughs) and we'll see i hope sarah i love you i hope you listen into the podcast this far i'm very excited to marry you in jamaica you're the love of my life um and uh you know i'll stop you don't have to listen to my opinion all the time you can you can you can be overly critical of almost everything not your partner. Well, I think I think I think I want to say that to everybody. Don't listen to my opinion only as much as you want to. I don't think that's like ridiculous. Yeah, just only as much as you want. Take you with a grain of salt, a slice of lime, and a shot of tequila. <laughs> <laughs> the lamest line. I heard that on a oh, Netflix man. show and I loved it. I was like, where did this lady come up with this how does she remember all these great drinking lines there you go shout out to babe from bonai beach that beer stinks i'm putting that one down for good i know i, I want to run and grab another beer because it's like that was a super disappointing beer 
super, super disappointing. We'll drink a little bit more of this wine. Maybe we'll take a pee break and I'll go grab another beer and then we'll sit back down and chat. But for now, I think we should have another dab. Can I serve you up a dab? Yeah, absolutely. Awesome. I love that you're into smoke. So yeah, what do you think about, you know, um, what would you like to see in a cannabis and wine dinner? What would make you really stoked? Like I know you bring to the table amazing service, amazing wines. You love to curate amazing food and that's basically what the idea of the dinners we host are about but is there anything more that you'd like to see or like anything you haven't seen uh in the market already i think really uh really highlighting the ways that uh cannabis um kind of kind of affects your palate um i think it's something that's really really dynamic um using uh different varieties and um, different forms of it to kind of accentuate different textures and different flavors and sensations and things. I don't know if that's something mm. that's really been uh, explored. No, it has explored. Um, and I, I find it makes such a big difference um, in, in the structure of certain beverages and, yeah. you know, how the, the acidity and sugars and tannin and everything kind of, kind of mingles in your mouth and, and especially with food. Um, and I think what, especially what extracts do, um, either vaporized or um, or consumed you know like or even even the aroma of them i think is it's just like it's a cool idea yeah. my buddy makes a honey with rosin and he gave me one we've been he's been tasting me on them because i'm the psalm so everybody wants to know what i think i'm sure this is do people bring you bottles of wine i, yeah. I bring you bottles yeah. of wine oh all the time okay anyways only if they're expensive but we were trying this rosin, and the last one had an incredible texture. And I'm just relating it now to uh, I saw that texture of that same rosin a few days ago, and now it makes sense why that honey had this amazing texture. And it was just delicious. And he's really trying to accentuate different uh, honey farmers with different types of rosin, which I love it. That's what's so specific, individual. That's what makes great culinary experiences mm -hmm. with cannabis. Sorry, having a dab. Yeah, I feel like not to uh, not to name names, but Andy, I, Andy and I were discussing uh, another uh, another kind of cannabis activists uh, paraphernalia and, and and printed material. Just looking at uh, how how kind of quick they are to to think that everything in the terpene world should only go with with one thing, and everything in another terpene world should only go with another thing, and. I feel like it's it's a more complicated uh, question than that. We're literally looking at something in a box. Like I'm saying this quite literally. It is a printed material in a square box, and I think that's hard. I I this packet. This all came as one packet, and I think it's nice for the, mm -hmm. I guess for a new consumer for somebody trying to learn. But I also think it leads you in a misdirection, because uh, you know, uh, correct me if I'm wrong. As a wine guy and as a wine steward a sommelier, um, what I really want to do is encourage people to find what they like and enjoy what they want to enjoy. I don't want to put somebody into a box. My favorite... Exactly. Every, everyone's palate is different. Don't let someone tell you what you're tasting. No. Yeah. I never... I hate suggestive taste. And that's one of the hard things about the show is um, I, I, I suggestive taste. I tell people what I think it tastes like. But when we meet in person, I'll give something to you. I'll smell it. Ooh, wonderful! And then I'll hand it to you, and I'm never going to tell you what it tastes like until you tell me what it tastes like. I mean, there is no smell of vision, and uh, we are talking about you know products and things that have uh, flavor and aroma. 
So you, I think you've got to talk about them to some extent, but yeah. Um, but after to give, to give someone a card that says that you know varieties that have uh, limonene terpenes only go with oysters, scallops, and lemon bars, which yeah. are I think you know three very very disparate things. Why would you pair lemon with lemon? Yeah, like it it, it doesn't make any sense to me. It's not very sommelier like if you ask me. I'm looking for a deep complexity. I'm trying to do something different than anybody's ever done. And I think you've I think you've nailed it actually is that why would you pair limonene, lemon, terpene with lemon things? I think this is a better reflection of what those things taste like more so than what those things might taste good with. I think that's a great way to put it. Yeah. Uh you could have and, something and I, I don't know. It's 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 like it's a cop out. Yeah. But you know I what? Think it's a bit of a cop out. I've seen a bunch of cough outs there but maybe i'm just going above and beyond because i didn't come into wine as a like i didn't want it to be my job i came into wine to tell people about cannabis i saw a psalm on netflix again bringing it back to netflix they're getting so much promotion and i knew that becoming accredited in wine was the only way that i could tell people um about my experience in cannabis and have them actually believe me and respect what I had to say. The person we're talking about comes from wine and had been in wine for a long time and saw an emerging market in cannabis. I've been an activist my whole life um, and I became really good at wine because I cared and I was in tune with my senses and the only reason people respected me was because I was good at blind tasting and I loved the history and I became obsessed with it. Um, but yeah, it's, it's, it's hard. Like I'm a, I'm a cannabis guy first. I want to make sure the cannabis shines and wine will always be second to me. I think we kind of chatted about this, you know, you run a wine bar, but you like to consume cannabis more than you're gonna, uh, drink a bottle of wine. Is that a price thing or is it just like a straight up? That's how you would, you'd rather feel like I, I don't honestly enjoy the sensation of being drunk. I, I hate I enjoy, being drunk. Or sorry, I, I really enjoy the, like the intellectual qualities of wine. Mm -hmm. um, I really enjoy the history of it and yep. learning about the the geology and why certain, you know, certain wines from certain places taste a certain way. Totally, the people, I, the I, place, the yeah. And I I think it's it's really really interesting, and I I just love. I love smelling and tasting things that bring mm -hmm. me to another world. And wine really does that for me. I hated wine until that first day I sat down in wine class. I saw that documentary. I took a wine class four days later. And thank God, because that wine class, the guys I sat beside introduced me to you. Um, and I had I hated wine. I had never been a drinker. I was always a cannabis smoker. And, it was the f and you know, I used to drink gin to get drunk. Uh, and I sat down in that class. My parents had always drank very cheap wine. Um, and they told me to think about it critically. And when I thought about it critically and I forgot about the alcohol part of it, and I and it became an intellectual piece, is when I became obsessed with it. And then the stories of the Renaissance and war and all of that. Like, I'm a, I love war history. And that's what really got me stoked all these pieces started to connect all these names charlemagne uh kings and queens and it was just it was uh, yeah so that's yes that's why i would never put stuff in a box like that because i'm a cannabis guy first and i don't think uh chipotle nuts 
should ever be related to beta carotheline um, ever. And I think just to to tell someone that one terpene is going to be good with vegan curry as well as creme brulee. Oh, that's a bo- that's bold. That you should drink it with muscat as well as nebbiolo. Whoa. That it might be good for anti-anxiety as well as anti-acne. Oh, what? And that the terpene effects leave you relaxed and rejuvenated. Sounds like getting sued to me. Fuck does this even mean? <laughs> it's basically just put whatever you want on a card and put some pretty pictures on it, yeah, I think. Yeah. I really I'm 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 really not convinced. Well, Nebbiolo and Muscat, what terpene was that? This is the uh, the linalool. 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 And and linalool uh, is lavender, right? Exactly. Yeah, so I would not uh, be putting lavender you know, I might get the neb thing. I guess I can get the... But Muscat is kind of a cop-out. And Nebbiolo is extremely hard, as I found. I did some of the most expensive... I did Roberto Verzio on my channel. And uh, it was... And a... That's, a, that's a producer that does a pretty fleshy, pretty... He's the Pinot Noir of Nebbiolo. Yeah. And it was hard. Like, that was... I st- I've still struggled to find a... a, a a strain that goes well with that and a big lavender strain i often don't find very enjoyable because it tastes like the laundry room yeah it's a little bit a little bit too much so okay let's dig into the next one i kind of like this because you you we could talk you know you're a you're a literally professional sommelier and uh i pretend to be one so that's good but i have enough street cred that i can use the sommelier term because i'll come work on a restaurant floor any day yeah, absolutely, man. I I think you have the knowledge and the uh, the service and the uh, you know your. I curated wine programs for people, yeah, man. so you know I think all these things. I feel bad using the word sommelier though, because I feel like a lot of people bastardize the word, and it's a very amazing word. You know, at its core, it's a wine steward, but it's a wine steward who's knowledgeable. Um, in, in, I feel like, yes, Somalia is a really specific uh, word, but at the same time, there's not a word in the English language, at least, that, or or at least the words to articulate someone who is an expert in a field that revolves around kind of a sensory uh, appreciation for things. Shouldn't it just be a master? Like, there's masters of wine. Yeah, but they would never be a master sommelier because they can't speak their tasting notes and they can't work a service floor. So shouldn't a master of can or a, a cannabis sommelier be a master of cannabis? Like I don't know. They're yeah, that's a, that's a tricky one. I, I mean, a, a master of wine and uh, a sommelier are are different. Very different one of them people. Is, is very academic, and one of them has a lot to do with. You probably met uh, both with, these people, yeah. and the personalities are so. Yeah, they're they're, they're very very different. I think. Um, and it's not to say that one can't be the academic other. or the other one can't have showmanship. Of course not. Um, but I think it, it generally goes one way more than another. And so for everybody listening, the MW course, I think I talked about this in the last one, but the MW, you need to do your blind tasting is 12 wines in one hour and it's written. And then you need to do a thesis paper and something else to pass the exam. And the sommelier exam is eight wines. 40 minutes and you have to speak your tasting note instead of writing it and then you get grilled by a rapid fire uh question and then you have to do a service portion so one is very academic 
you don't have to talk to anybody. You can be in your own mind the entire time. The other one, you literally have to speak every note. And uh, I like talking about it. I like speaking what I feel. Uh, I feel like it's too easy when I write because I get too much time to think. But they also have to do 12 ones as opposed to 8. Yeah, or is it 6 for the Master Psalm? I think it's... I haven't watched Psalm in so long. I'm like, oh, this is the documentary that changed my life. But I don't, re- I don't remember. Yeah, I want to crack back into it, study for it, crush it out. Would you go to a quartermaster sommelier course? Have yeah. you done that one? Which so I, I have my certified. I think oh, okay. I, I think I want to crush out my advanced and uh, move forward possibly. I said we'll I, would, I I said I would challenge the advanced. If they let you in, if you get a master psalm sponsor, they'll let you challenge the advanced. So, uh, yeah, the last day I worked for was like, yeah, we'll just get Zabo to do it. No chance. Uh, but that would be an interesting idea. Yeah. I don't know if I would... Crazy amount of information. I don't know if I would ever continue on the extreme sommelier route. Just because I did the WSET 3 Canadian Wine Scholar, and I feel like... Like, I love reading books. I read so much from books. And there's so much I learned from other books and my blind tasting groups and the guys that I get to drink wine around that gives me this information that school never did. Like, of course, school was really good. And I spent lots of hours in class uh, and also spent a lot of hours, hundreds of hours reading books um, to get to where I'm at now. But it's like, for me... I don't know for you, you're in the restaurant industry, but for me personally, I don't know if I would ever go back to school until like a 20, 30 year point from now when I kind of had another thing to prove maybe that I'm still in the game because I'm very much so in it right now and the money for school is just not what's going to crack it for me. I hate traditional education. Yeah, it's not something that I totally enjoy either. Honestly, I think learning uh out of my career as a as a as a bar guy and a and a business owner is the best way for me to learn well about life and about the wines yeah all the reps you meet the way that they can tell the stories as yeah. opposed to a wine teacher telling the story and well, I, I don't know for me it's it's not necessarily about learning from uh like from from reps or from retailers but like having people that you taste with yeah on you a, taste a lot on of a regular basis um is huge and even like tasting the you know the same producers year in year out and getting a really good idea of what those vintages do to certain wines yeah that for me is is huge what have you got to do the best vertical of because you get to drink so many wines now like all all these bucket list wines like if you're a wine nerd thomas gets to drink all the wines you could have ever dreamed of because people are bringing them into ball yeah, we we're, we're really really lucky. In Did you Canada. drink the testamata I brought you for the, when you came number three in on route, uh, or is that sitting in somebody's basement? It was really good, man. Yeah, super dark and viscous, and yeah, that, that, that was a wicked bottle of wine. I took one. I, of those. I really really like those BB Greats wines. I took it to Mexico, and I had a uh, Romeo Juliet, like what was it, like a number thirty five, or uh, nice. with with a bottle of testamata, watched the sunset the nice day after time. we got engaged. That, that's a wine that I'll I'll never forget. I'm happy. You, I'm happy yeah. I brought you that bottle. That's awesome. No, I, th- I think if I, if I had to pin it down to to one producer that that gets me like really really excited, probably be a uh, Company J Bel Air. I have never had one of those wines. It's a really really amazing producer in Von Romanay in Burgundy, and uh, 
they are just so incredibly expressive and perfumed and I, I think they show you know really only ever the best parts of the vintage that they're made in um but but they they always show the vintage and yeah von romane wines just just get me going burgundy yeah what did i say earlier dabbing every day is like drinking pinot every day yeah man yeah it, no dab like dabbing all this great stuff is like drinking von romane every day yeah, man. there's only so many people that get to tr- get to try this amazing stuff because it's so limited and uh god i love burgundy so much yeah it's the best yeah those i was really really lucky started tasting those i think in the uh the 2009 vintage um which is relatively early on for that producer i think his his first vintage was maybe like 2000 or 01 okay and uh they're they're just such amazing evocative wines i don't know i gotta brag right now because my buddy steve okranik we're talking about the Thank best you. vertical wines. Oh, we'll go for a stretch. Yeah. Um, I've got to drink so much Sasakai with him. He's been collecting Sasakai since he started making uh, money. And thank God for Steve-O the Wine Guy because, yeah, man. man, he just opened so much great wine for me. Like uh, Sasakai smells like beefaroni and violets. <laughs> That's a wicked tasting note. That was the number one wine this year for Wine Spectator. Sasakaya 2015. Man, I, uh, I, I, I'm really, really fond of the, uh, the 03. It's been, been super yeah, lucky to taste the 03 it was a couple gangster. times over the last few years. And man, for, for such a hot year, fuck, that's a good wine. There was so, yeah, I got to drink so many at great points. Some a little young, for sure. When did you drink that 03? um i've had it twice in the past probably three and a half years or so um violets and and beefaroni baby yeah man so like just so floral and meaty and i think and just just in like in a perfect window it's a hot year so i think they they can be a little bit top heavy i think now is probably the time to drink them but there's so much better value than sass. It's interesting. I don't yeah. know. Sassakai is great wine. Don't get me wrong. Yeah. It's a it's incredible cheap, wine. Though. No, it's not cheap. So not not getting any cheaper. Especially, yeah, when they got that number one wine this year, uh, Buddy went from being able to get his regular two cases a year to like, he was like, I think he got six bottles or one case. And they are like, that's it. Six bottles or one case? Oh yeah, because it comes in six packs. I think yeah. you got. I think you got one six pack. I think it went one from. F- I think it went from four six packs to one six pack. Jeez. That's crazy, man. So many more people want a lot of, it. A lot of people want the juice, man. The hype is real. You want the number one wine in the world, right? People go nuts over the number one. Whatever, whatever is the best or the biggest. Well, we were talking about this 11 Madison Park, and you knew people that went there, and this is the number one restaurant in the world, yeah. and they sent food back. Yeah, but also, I mean, like, whatever happened to getting, like, great satisfaction out of something that didn't cost you that much? We had that for lunch today. That hard to find. Yeah. I know. Yeah, great, great lunch for you know what, thirty bucks or it was like whatever odd. Yeah, it was not. It was it was like nothing. The beer was way more expensive than the food. Yeah, and we easily. and it was a it was a great deal. We had a two liter acai, but yeah, lunch twelve bucks. Chicken teriyaki, rice, miso, 
and uh you had broccoli i had a spi- uh what i have zucchini that's right no that was fantastic shout out to key in calgary alberta go eat it really dig it yeah i did not get an upset stomach and i ate so much food yeah i gotta pop back uh later on for the yakitori yeah they only do yakitori after five that's what we found out i kind of find that out literally every time i go i'm like oh can i have the yakitori and i honestly think the girl's so tired of telling me that they don't do it until five o'clock but i'm going to continue asking without a doubt yeah you just gotta you gotta see what's going on you want to see if the grill's hot i thought the charcoals were going man we saw they were good i honestly feel like they could have done it my fish was grilled yeah, your fish was grilled on the grilled. on the yakitori grill, on the charcoal grill. I just don't think they had prepped it. I don't think they had uh, prepped the skewers. Ah, uh, yes, I see. That's the only reason I could think, because your fish, that's why you ordered the fish. You're like, I'll get the mackerel just to see it. <laughs> I, was doing it I, I love mackerel either way. <laughs> I, I, I had to see what was going on. Oh, that was great. No, that was that was great. I love uh, I love lunch there. A little slow service, but fantastic, fantastic yeah. food. Yeah, good spot best like i was telling you best one of the best patios yeah so cheap patio. 36 dollar bottles of fantastic prosecco great patio yeah super reasonable what do you want what do you want what do you want 36 bucks man just do yakitori on saturday so that i can sit up there and eat yakitori all day and drink 36 dollar bottles of prosecco all i need is a little bit more marketing and that would be like the hipster central You and I just need to sit there and Instagram live one time, and a week later it'll be going crazy. Yeah, you have to do the on location, like uh, like like the radio shows. We're gonna do one at Vonderfels for sure. Yeah, man. We're on location at Bar Vonderfels. Come to the bar, and it's uh... exactly what I was thinking. We'll just take the the uh, boom arms, swing arms, and we'll we'll slap them on a table. Maybe we'll just sit right in that front window so that people think that something really cool is going I love on. It. We'll set up the camera. And uh, put the lights on, and people will just think that we're doing like a serious show. It'll be something yeah. uh, we're selling it to Netflix. <laughs> Love it, man. Netflix, you should come check out Calgary, Alberta. I, I, I don't know anybody who works for Netflix. I don't know if you live in Calgary and meet somebody who works for Netflix, but I'm like, Netflix, how do I contact you? They're like, you don't contact Netflix. Netflix finds you. I don't, I don't know, man. It's like the NRA. Bigwigs. Just kidding. It's not the NRA. The what's what's the Super one? Super secretive. Yeah. Who's the who did uh the NSA? The NSA. There we go. That's the NRA. <laughs> the NRA. Yeah. Netflix. Uh, it's like the NRA. You like? Not sure. You like them guns? Here at the NRA, we really support Netflix. Don't be taking away our revolvers or our shotguns or our semi-automatics or our Netflix. No, the NSA is who's spying on you, just like just like Netflix is spying on you. But Netflix, please contact me. You're not a spy. I'd love to be a spy for you. This one's fantastic. Do you know if it was uh, concrete? No, I, this, as far as I know, is uh, mostly old oak barrels. Hmm. Sure tastes like natural wine. Vinification. Yeah, it, it has a little bit of a, a natural edge to it. It's got a little bit of funk. Yeah, a little bit of funk. Um, but I think this is this is a producer that isn't overtly natural. That That's not the point of him 
owning and operating a winery is to make natural wine for him and his uh his, his millennial buddies that want to drink it with their uh their, their vegan curry um, <laughs> yeah what would this pair with on the on the squares is, i think this is just really delicious gamay made in a way that people have been doing for many many years that you know perhaps some some producers have lost touch with um but i think this just shows the you know the, the character of the land and, and and the fruit and the people that make it in a, a little bit more of a, a kind of a clear way less uh less muddied by uh yeast inoculations and you know okay we're gonna take a complete shift people are comparing drake to r kelly now as he uh fondled and uh danced up on a 17 year old girl oh wow he like he smelled her hair asked her if it was herbal essences i told you i like your hair right this is very awkward gonna massage her a little bit well she's only 17 apparently so what do you think about that should drake be the next r kelly because they got that show on netflix no it's not on netflix i think it's on cable tv called surviving r kelly have you heard about this one they got like they got like 76 rape r kelly victims a messy show <laughs> that's a that's a show for the ages yeah surviving r kelly yeah that's crazy god all you, 76 people all you can ever hope is that you never have a show called like surviving you man i don't need that i don't need that yeah well you're not a terrible person so don't worry you didn't pee on little girls no no plans to do you know how many r kelly coming out of the closet videos there are have you ever watched the whole series? Oh, his like uh And I'm coming out the closet and I pulled out my gun. There's like forty seven parts or something. Forty seven. I got, I'm not even fucking with you. Are there actually forty seven parts? One time I listened I, I know he was really prolific with those. One time I listened Amazing to it prolific. all the way to the airport when we were going to Cuba or something, and Sarah was like, I'm done with you. Like why are we why have we listened to like seventeen episodes of R. Kelly coming out of the closet? R. Kelly episodes i don't even know what to search i'm uh, uh yeah, yeah 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 and i'm coming out the closet oh no 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 this is just coming up with surviving r kelly r- <laughs> some bad guy r kelly trapped in the closet looks like there is 33 chapters Holy fuck. yeah 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 that's, that's quite a bit 33 is is plenty. That's a lot. I'm not going to play it because I feel like he'll try and sue me because he's really in need of some money. I believe it, man. Imagine somebody made a show about you surviving you. That's rough. Yeah, that's I'm, terrifying. We're going to have to watch that. I think that's going to... I'm going to have to put my cable to work. I'm going to have to spend... Finally use my, my well-spent money on cable for something better than sports. Surviving R. Kelly, coming out of the closet without a gun. Terrible. Terrible, terrible, terrible. It's good juice, eh? 
It's pretty good, but it's like, gonna... it's like a nerd juice. Yeah? I don't think everyday customer likes this. Yeah, it's, it's got a lot of satisfaction, if, though, man. I think if you came to the bar and you wanted, like, somebody to, like, tell you about a wine and make an experience for you, this is great wine. Would I drink it every day? Do I like it as much as drinking Belle Gloss Pinot Noir every day? Belle Gloss! When was the last time you had a bottle of it? I don't know if I like it. It's fucking delicious. It is so good. I just cover me in it. I think the uh, the decomb is my more so my uh, red wax seal. Yeah, it's a little. So everybody, it's, it's yeah, a little, little one up top, you know, it's a little little quick dipper. Yeah, a little quick dip. I'm going for the long drip. If you don't get that, you need to be drinking more wine. There's a red wax seal on both these bottles. That Bill Gloss is like is like juice. I honestly think Pacific Northwest Pinot Noir is my favorite. Yeah. I, I love it when it tastes like a melted cherry popsicle. If I could just drink uh, Pacific Northwest Pinot Noir all the time, I would. But the prices are getting out of hand. Yeah, they're pretty crazy, man. Pinot Noir in general, I think, is uh, it's gonna get trickier and trickier as uh, as the globe warms and, and I think and wine's gonna be illegal. Changes. I think wine's gonna be illegal in fifteen years. Yeah. Hundred percent. It's too much water. Too much water. Exactly. I think in in some places, yes, but five hundred and eighty-six liters of water to make one liter of wine. Where in California? Everywhere. That's the that's the average. Five. Well, I mean, think about all the cleaning. Like it take it takes a lot of water, yeah. and so uh, yeah. What point does this become uh, non-essential? If the water crisis continues, they say we're going to run out of water by, what, 2056? Uh, wine has definitely got to be the fr- one of the first things to go. 560 liters to make one, one bottle of wine. One, one liter. liter, yeah. Isn't that atrocious? But I feel like, I feel like that number's got to be a reflection of uh, like commercial wine production with irrigation and... Even I worked at a small winery, and just the sheer amount of water I sprayed on stuff to clean it mm-hmm. is atrocious. Like, it was, uh, I remember a neighbor coming over one time and being like, oh, you're eroding this part because your water's draining over here. It's like, yeah, because I, I wash stuff all, all day. Uh, yeah, I don't know. It's it's interesting. Wine is an extreme luxury product, much more than cannabis. Cannabis can thrive on much less water. I guess you could do a drip irrigation with wine. You could do it on low, but wine spoils very quickly in a in a dirty environment, and you need water to clean. Yeah. And lots of it. If it's going to be a big production facility, it, it, there's no other. There's no other option. Quite literally. Yeah, Sarah's home. Sarah's home. I don't. It's, I don't have any roommates. Don't worry. Just, just one. The love of my life. Oh man. Just one. No, that's that's fantastic. Well, maybe we should go say hi to her. Maybe we'll yeah. call the episode done now. Oh yeah. It was fantastic chatting with you yeah. on uh, on beers with buds. I really, uh, really enjoyed our chat. Thanks for hanging out. Thanks for bringing the wine. Yeah, buddy. Sorry the. So the beer with the bud wasn't good, but I think that's kind of all part of the you know experiment. What? The bud was amazing with the wine. The bud was really good out. with the wine, and that's uh, 
that's all that matters. We had a nice chat, so uh, I'll give you cheers and uh, cheers to everybody else. Please make sure to subscribe. Uh, check out the YouTube channel, the Cannabis Psalm. Yeah, subscribe to Beers with Buds. I think it'll be on SoundCloud. Um, might put it on YouTube, but make sure you check out the Cannabis Sommelier if you're in Calgary, Alberta. Make sure you go check out Thomas at Bar Vonderfels. Make a reservation. Let them know that you heard about it on the podcast because that would be really cool. Tell them the Cannabis Sommelier sent you. Um, thanks again, Thomas. Cheers, dude. Thank Cheers. You.